is up, everyone? Welcome into episode 11 of That's Bingo Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Hendry, joined here by my co-host Kyle Eggers and Jacob Beach. How you fellas Yo. doing today? Fantastic. Go Rams. How Sensational. Was, how was y'all's Christmas? It was electric. I um I got a new microwave. Anybody else? <laughs> uh, I watched Luka Doncic uh, microwave the Suns. Pillage my my NBA basketball franchise. That was fun. <laughs> but he put that was another 50? gift for me. Yes, forty something. No, it was fifty. You got the fifty. Fifty and like thirteen. Oh, that's right. Yeah, every time Beach goes to a basketball game, the opposing team drops fifty on him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was just. Great. It was just unbelievable. It was, a t- it was a tough game for sure. But boys, we're one day closer with Christmas passing. One day closer to Jim Harbaugh being the Chargers head coach. Oh no! Just throw that out here no. at the beginning. No, of the we are not. He's going to repeat at Michigan. No, he will leave Michigan with a legacy as a national championship and go and slay the biggest dragon of them all, the Super Bowl. Uh, but another news: uh, our dynasty team, the boys, did it. We're they back. Won, they won the championship. We never left. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was literally our first year playing dynasty. Ever. Um, we had no clue what we were doing. During the draft, I Still remember done. it was like a slow draft that took like a, a few, it, was like, it took a few days. A few um, days. It was like two weeks. It might yeah, have been. It was, I, it was several was like weeks. Midway through, we were like, <laughs> we need to change our strategy because we were like taking players at ADP and we're like, we just need to take our players. So I expected a terrible first season. I was fully intent on getting us a top three pick. I know we were tanking for Caleb Williams. Um, and now we're sitting here with a championship to our name, two first-round picks, uh, and no clue what to do next. And Puka Nakua. We do have Puka. Puka Natenko for Caleb Williams, uh, apparently. Puka Natenko? No. Uh... <laughs> Beach is about to trade both our firsts for Trey McBride. Tell me that's not a good trade. Not it's a terrible trade. Up for Drake May okay. first, so. You're not taking Drake May. Why, dude? It's We're not getting Drake May. He's going to go, like, second. Well, boys, let's get into today's show. Uh, we got some college football, NFL, and some NBA on the docket today. So let's dive into college football first. We had the playoff games yesterday. Those were electric. Let's get into that first one, man. We got Bama, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, and that Michigan team defeating Bama 27-20. to 20. Man, uh, I know Beach was – Beach texted me today. He was looking over that last play, like, over and over and over again. But, I don't know. Give me your guys' thoughts on that game, man. I, I just want to say, America won yesterday. <laughs> yes, because we did. Those four fan bases were on pins and needles for four hours, basically. Whereas America just wa- got to watch two great football games and be neutral, unbiased observers to mm-hmm. really two good football games. Um, I know we can debate whether or not Florida State should have been in, but yesterday it was kind of hard to argue that they didn't get it right because those were both very competitive games. And I I was having a blast sitting there watching football all day. Yeah. Kyle? Those are some good games. Like, I, I hate that I was wrong because I was banging the table that Florida State should have been in it. But they probably would have got ran, even if they had all their starters. Yeah. They they probably should have. I don't – we don't have to get into the whole debate again. Like Yeah. Who cares at this point? It happened, and we got we got probably the four best possible games 
uh, yesterday for sure. Yeah. Um, like that, that, that first one going into overtime was just, was so much fun. Um, yep. You know, there was momentum kind of shifting back and forth at, and early on, it was like, oh, Michigan is just has this game under control. And then Bama took control in that third quarter. And it was like, well, Michigan's done for. Uh, and then Corum, Corum with that big run late. Uh, so just fantastic game overall. And I know Beach loved it, but like, I thought the, the ending was a little anticlimactic, though, just with the, with the Jalen Hill row right yeah. up the middle. But I know Beach has a different take on that one. Well, so here's the thing is an offensive play caller i don't know why that would be the play call i get that you want to put the ball in your best player's hands and he has had a lot of success and he had a lot of success yesterday running the football but a quarterback draw is just so hit or miss to me and what i noticed is michigan just they took their entire d lineman their entire d line and just pinched everybody inside and really just cut off all the inside gaps like it seemed like they were prepared for milrow to try a quarterback draw in that situation and then once the snap was low, it, it just threw off the entire rhythm of the play, and he kind of just had to try to make something work. And Michigan was all over it. So it was a – truthfully, it was a fitting end to a, a really high-level defensive battle um, where there was offensive miscues, but there was ultimately just a lot of good defense being played, a lot of field position. I know Kirk Herbstreet was mentioning that at one point with Alabama kind of just trading punts back and forth to get better field position. Um it was a defensive slugfest, and, and ultimately Michigan was able to get more stops. You're the I only one that enjoyed that. Yeah. I thought they sold the game there at the end, near the end, when Michigan muffed that punt and they got it like the one or something like that. Dude. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I thought they were done for. I was like, just, oh, my gosh. Punt returners in college football yesterday did not have a great day. Yeah. Well, one of they, them had they one struggled. hand. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he did. Uh, I, I was like, Texas has to get a, a big return here. And then I looked and he's got a cast on his hand. And I was like, that can't be the play. Like, what are we doing? Oh, man. But Steve, Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, Steve. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's talk Imagine about acting. Being... I mean, like, the Michigan-Bama game was a lot of fun. But, I mean, I think the second game was even more enjoyable. Yeah, um, I would agree. Just like the offensive output going on. Real, real quick, I, I do want to say one more thing about the Alabama-Michigan game. I mean, it's not so much about the game. But while the Rose Bowl is an old stadium, it is still so cool seeing those big-time games be played in that venue. Mm. Like, there's nothing like it. I, I saw Kirk Herbstreit again reiterating his take that the national championship should be played there every single season. And I don't disagree. I think it'd be so cool for college football to kind of stake that as their venue and say the Rose bowl every year will be the actual granddaddy of them all. And it will be the national championship game and the national championship site for years to come. Now, obviously I know people are like the venues old. It's, it's not as, you know, easily accessible as some of the newer NFL stadiums, things like that. But, and there's just nothing like watching a big time college football game being played in that with the flyover and the aerial shots that they get, the, San Gabriel Mountains in the back. I mean, it's it's a perfect scene every single year. No, I, I agree, Beach. I love that take. Yeah, I'm with it, too. That, Anybody that, is- that, that hasn't seen a game there, you've got to go see it. I mean, I only saw a UCLA game out there, but, man, it's still – it's so cool getting to be in that place, and you just think of all the historical, you know, moments, not just college football moments, but just historical moments that have happened in that building. It's – it's really cool, and it gave me goosebumps being there. So if you ever get the chance to go, you've, you've got to take advantage of it. Oh, heck yeah. 
No, I'd love that'd be super cool. Like you said, to kind of stick put their put their flag at the Rose Bowl and make that make that the the big game for sure. So, Kyle, you you might have something on the Bama Michigan game though before I interrupted you. Um, no, I think all I was gonna say was this was about the Texas game. I was just gonna say, imagine being the second string punt returner and you're benched behind the guy that has one <laughs> arm. <laughs> Coach is like. He looks at the guy with the cat with his entire arm in a cast, and then he looks at you and he gives the other guy the match. Yeah, that just horrendous. That I think I would transfer at that point on the spot. I would just tell coach like, "All right, I'm out. Time for yeah. me to go." Um, Feels so bad. But yeah, that game, dude. Michael Penix was unbelievable. I mean, it felt like it felt like that CJ Stroud game last year. Um, against what was that georgia um where he just like you you couldn't stop him he could not make a poor throw um everywhere the ball was going it was away from the defense right um it was it's just an incredible game from from michael Penix. he's obviously getting getting a lot of uh most of the credit uh, i mean props to texas for for bringing it close it really shouldn't have been there um i know beach will probably have something to say about that here in a minute but what a oh what a fun game that was yeah, that was, again, that was just another example of what you want a college football playoff game to look like. Back and forth, especially like that first half. I mean, it was Washington went down and scored. Texas came down and answered. And it was like that the entire, you know, entire first half. And then, again, it felt like Washington had kind of wrestled control away from Texas in that third quarter and that they were just going to kind of cruise to victory. And in what was the Pac-12's last uh after dark football game, they certainly delivered in, in trying to let Texas come back and win that. Um, I know I was texting Joe and I was like, college football coaches outthink themselves and, and football <laughs> coaches in general outthink themselves so many times. You know, I remember we were watching it and I was like, I get running those first two plays because you want to make sure they use their timeouts and all of that. But like after they called their two timeouts, like take a knee. Like, you're not going to – what are you going to do, run off another second or two at best, like when you run right into the line? Mm-hmm. Like, the only thing that can happen is you fumble the football or somebody gets hurt and it stops the clock. And lo and behold, I mean, you know, Kalen DeBoer kind of got on his post-game press conference and just said, you know, bad luck, you know, things happen. But it's like you don't have to put yourself in that situation. Just take the knee. You let it run all the way out because they – basically call the timeout anyways at the end. So you let it run all the way out and you get a delay a game or call timeout. And then you're punting with 15 seconds left. Texas gets the ball at worst, probably on their 20 with 10 seconds left, you know, 12 seconds left. So it was just one of those things that like running the football in that situation, only bad things can happen for your team. And it, it played out. Yeah. And that's a big loss for them too, man. Like Dylan Johnson ran for like 1100 yards. You know, yeah, yeah. Their second, sixteen touchdowns. Their second league rusher didn't even eclipse two hundred yards. Will Nixon, um, yeah. he had one hundred ninety four, um, and uh, he's a he's a wide receiver. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they how they're able to hold up in that run game against against a really good Michigan front, really good Michigan defense overall. Yeah, I was going to ask who who are our picks for that for that game next week. Yeah, I've, Michigan, I think baby, all the duh. way. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit across from you, Joe. <laughs> I I mean I think I'm just biased because I want to see the Pac-12 just right into the sunset. 
That would just be oh, so I'd sick. Be so happy about that. That would be yeah. so sick. But um, I mean, that's probably like eighty percent of my take. But their offense just looks <laughs> so good. Washington's offense yeah. looks so good. Penix had what like four hundred and twenty something yards passing. Yeah. Um, yeah, like they, like outside of just the score of the game, like they just looked good. They looked really good. Um, couple couple stats from Washington that just that Washington game that I wanted to ask you guys. Okay, trivia question. Michael Penix Jr. is the first player with 4,500 passing yards in consecutive seasons since who? Patrick Mahomes. Yes, sir. I know we all <laughs> saw that stat. But that yeah. was crazy to me. Like, that was literally crazy mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And yeah, it was. I think that the same things that people were saying about Mahomes when he came out of college were like, oh, like, well, it was just the system. And, like, he was just, you know, like, that was just their air raid offense. Like, whatever. I think that – we kind of we can kind of mirror what we've been hearing about Penix too. Like, I'm yeah. not saying that Michael Penix is going to be Patrick Mahomes, obviously, but I think that he'll be better than what a lot of people think that he will be. So I think it was yeah. just a cool. It was a I cool think game. The, the only difference is just that Penix has a much longer list of injuries that he has been through, especially sure. like big time yeah. injuries compared to Mahomes. So mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to scare NFL teams off. But I mean, you saw it last night. The talent's undeniable. I mean, yeah. it looks like that dude could hit a doorknob, you know, from 50 yards out, and, I, and we wouldn't be shocked. Like, he's just such a pinpoint passer. It's it's ridiculous. Dude, people were not breaking stride. Like, it was – there was no slowing down. There was no hesitation. He was just, like, hitting people right where they needed to be. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. That first, like, deep, you know, post-corner route he threw where he's throwing it, you know, 50 yards, and it's literally right on the money on mm-hmm. the sideline. Let's his guy not even break stride and just catch it and turn up field. I mean, I was just like, holy cow, it's like the best throw I've seen all year. Yeah. You know, there was no feet it with like a word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that throw was just dropped it like right on the sideline. It was the one that stood out. There's another one, a deep one to uh, Adunze, who he like, I mean, his late hands definitely helped. I was going to say, he put it up there. But like, dude, that ball couldn't have been better. You know? Yeah. Um, and then there was another one that. It was. Uh, I was having a little bit of a debate with one of our buddies because he was like, "Oh, he reminds me of Tua," which is like he's a lefty. Stupid, it's stupid be natural. Um, but I was like, literally two minutes later, he did this play where this dude was rushing up the middle, his lineman, and he did a quick sidestep. The lineman went right by him, and he just sidearm rifled it right up the middle with just so much zip on the ball. And that's something you just don't see from from Tua. It's like his. He's a very very different kind of player. Um, I mean, I, you know, I I liked Penix before this going into the draft. I didn't love him, but I'm not going to make the same mistake I made with Stroud last year and ignore a, a fantastic playoff game like he did when he cooked against against Georgia. Um, I think I think Penix has it for sure. I think he's uh, he's going to be a really good NFL player, um, and he proved that he proved that last night. I hope so. You love to root for the guy. Yeah, 100. percent So. Anything else with the playoffs, fellas? Oh, I didn't even say who I think is going to win. Oh, yeah. Um, Who's going to win? I think I really want Washington to win, too, just like Kyle said. But I think Michigan's defense is going to do a great job of keeping everything in front of them and just forcing Washington to, you know, dink and dunk their way down the field, which I think they can do. But I think they're going to get impatient at times. And I just think Michigan running the football is going to be is going to be tough for Washington to stop. So I think they're going to win. Like it's going to be close, but it's going to be like 
thirty to twenty seven. Yeah. I'd have more heart if Johnson wasn't injured. Yeah. Yeah. My my heart disagrees with you, but my head agrees with you, Beach. Yeah. I in my heart I'm pulling for Washington though. I agree. I want want the Pac twelve to ride off into the sunset and they'd complete a perfect season, which would be insane. Yeah. Whatever so happens, sick. Jim Harbaugh is going to the Chargers. You're an okay. idiot. Here we go. <laughs> uh, moving on. That that ten year extension contract's gonna hit like crack. No, it's oh, not. He's it's gonna not. get the lifetime Nike he's, deal. He's gonna <laughs> announce from the podium that he is gonna sign with the Chargers as he's getting Joe, the if if Harbaugh announces on the podium that he's going to the Chargers, I will sell my house and put all of the money on the Chargers to win the Super Bowl next year. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Kyle will be homeless in a few weeks. My home has never will, been safer. As will his friends. No. Oh, man. Moving on. Um, the Alamo Bowl. Beach and I were there. Let's go, baby. Electric. Football game, U of A won 38-24, to 24, was it, Beach? Yeah, 38-24. Gunnar Maldonado saved that game, 100%. He did. Um, I, I owe Gunnar Maldonado an apology. You do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted him benched at the beginning of the year. I was mm-hmm. so fed up with him. And then I remember because I was – they asked Jed Fish about him, like probably week three, and they were like, you know – what is Gunner, you know, like, what does he have to do, you know, to be better or whatever? And he's like, you guys don't understand all that we ask Gunnar Maldonado to do. Basically saying, like, you guys don't know how good he is and why he's still playing. And so we are like, yeah, whatever, Jed. That's just coach speak. And then, again, he did this last year, too. But for whatever reason, I, he fooled me again. He turned it around in, like, week five and started playing better and better. And then by the end of the year, I mean, he was our best defensive player. And he was playing like one of the best safeties in the Pac-12. So just for him to capitalize and and make so many different plays in that Oklahoma game, it just put a star on his season. And so I was really happy for him. Just like Joe said, he we don't win that game without him. It was so, so cool and so, so exciting for him to do that. Yeah. The funny part too was there was like that one like deep pass I mean, coming out of coming out of halftime that Oklahoma had where he was the coverage guy. Um, yeah. and it was it was a little bit a little bit of a broken coverage, but like well, it's just so I thought I was curious about that too, but I went back and rewatched rewatched the game. And uh <laughs> of course. And they they had a free safety that should have been playing coverage over the top of that. Yeah. But if you watch it, he gets sucked up into the crossing action that's coming in front of him, and so then Gunner has to try to peel off and play that guy deep. Oh, so yeah. it wasn't necessarily his coverage. He probably could have covered it a little bit better, but um, the other safety should have been dropping in front of that as well, and he was just so far in front that it didn't even matter. Yeah. First uh, off, I'm not going to let that slide. Yeah. How, how many times have you watched the game, Beach? Uh, I've only watched the game once. Watched okay. the highlights a few times, though. <laughs> just what smile. You're witnessing <laughs> mental illness. One of my best memories is in the 2022 um, uh, U of A ASU game I went to with Beach. Awesome game, you know. U of A won uh, right at the end there. Um, and I go back, you know, it's I take a shower real quick, and I come out of the shower, and Beach and his dad are just on the couch watching the game, <laughs> just locked, just locked in. We were there thirty minutes ago. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> oh um, my gosh! But yeah, I mean, 
There will yeah, be people sure. that agree with me on this though. There's it's different watching it in person and being in the middle of the moment and then getting to oh, watch yeah. it back. Uh, you're not, I got you're not wrong. I gotta let me cook here for a second. When <laughs> okay, when okay, my whole life, me and my family, I was like, oh, I love sports. You know, like I was like, oh, I love sports. I love, I love my team. I love the Rams. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was a Laker fan, and then we moved to Tucson, and I met Jacob Beach in sixth grade, and quickly I found out there's levels to this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> If you've ever been in Jacob Beach's room, you know there are levels to this, okay? The man lives in a Tucson sports museum. <laughs> this is true. He sleeps on the 1997 National Championship trophy. Yes. There are levels to this. And Beach, Beach has probably watched more film than 98% of Arizona football players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially Rob Gronkowski. There's no way he was watching film. Yeah, there's no way he was watching film at all. Uh, yeah. But anyway, back to back to that game, man. Maldonado, great game. You know, obviously, good recovery. You know, was that play wasn't fully on him, obviously, but you know, to he was the number there. So just that interception return that he had was fantastic. I mean, the passing game. What Fafita threw for 354, two tutties. You had Cowing and the McMillan go for over 150. I mean, there was a non-existent run game, but like nothing, none. Who cares? I mean, you guys won, so who cares right now, right? Yeah, I. That's what it was so impressive about Fafita, because in the other games, like you had Jordan Morgan at left tackle, really solidifying the line and and making things easy. But in this game, I mean, he was under duress from after the first quarter on. Like he was getting yeah. pressured, he was getting hit. I mean, there was a few times like he'd get hit, and I was like, man, did he just get hurt? Like. He was getting beat up, but to his credit, he stuck in there and made plays when he counted. And then I want to give credit to to Jed Fish and, and U of A, um, their coaching staff, because I remember we were talking about the line combination. I was like, why did we shift around all these different guys? And to their credit, in the fourth quarter, they inserted a guard by the name of Leif Magnuson, and he solidified the offensive line. They moved Jonas Avenea out to right tackle, which is where he had been playing the entire season. But for whatever reason, they just decided to move him inside this game uh, with Jordan Morgan being out. And so when he came in and Savanea moved to tackle, that's when their offense really clicked. That's when they got that long play to cowing and things just started working again. So I give them credit for not only one, recognizing that the issue was there, but then two, saying, hey, this hasn't worked for three quarters. It's the fourth quarter and we're tied. We need to do something now. And then having the guts to make that change. Yeah. Shout out Jetfish. Shout out Jetfish for real. Yeah. It was a – I also wanted to say too, shout out to the Alamo Bowl and shout out to San Antonio. Like they – for – I want to say like a mid to upper tier bowl game because it's probably – it was probably the most – anticipated bowl game outside of like the new year's six. But I mean, that stadium had like, I want to say how many did they announce attendance, Joe? It was like 50,000 or something. Or was it less than that? I think it was, I think it's 54, 55,000. I'm pretty sure. And so, I mean, it was, it was a packed house. The, the staff and the hospitality was great. The, the atmosphere was a blast. Like they know how to run a bowl game and they do such a great job. And having the stadium so close to downtown and the river walk, like, 
there's just so much stuff to do. Like, again, just a great bowl game to attend if, if any of your guys' teams ever get the chance to play in it. Like, it's it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a blast for sure. 10 out of 10, we do it again. Shout out to the men and women of San Antonio. Yes, and shout yeah. out to Charles Barkley. <laughs> shout out to Charles Barkley and to shout out Churros. We, we are going to move on. on. <laughs> uh, moving on to the NFL. Boys, we are approaching week 18 fast. Um, but as everybody knows, week 18 doesn't matter. Um, I mean, it does, but it really doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Wait a at minute. All. <laughs> it, it, it matters for some teams. My team isn't in. My team isn't in the right okay. for anything. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the Rams already clinched. It's easy it, work. It, you know. see, it doesn't matter. So, um, we're, well, we're another. <laughs> we're just gonna get another random win to somehow push us further down the NFL draft board. Yes, do that. Um, well, we're, we're going to give away our season awards, though. But these these aren't going to be your typical awards. We're not doing MVP. Oh. We're not doing Offensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. Those are those are two. Brandon normal. Staley's my Coach of the Year. No, he's not. He he needs to go back to Division Three. Like he, that's where he should be. Gosh, I hate Brandon Staley. Um, I love Brandon we, Staley. We have a list of <laughs> of awards. That we came up with that we want to give to certain players. Um, most of these, most of these are are awards that will bash players, but which is the which is the hope we want to expose certain players. So I'm going to kick us off here though, um, just so we can get kind of an idea where we're going. We're starting off with the least valuable player, right? Oh. Boys, my least valuable player this year is Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Ooh, harsh. Mm. He played Come out the gate hot. I like he, that though. He played. He's like injured. Forced. I. Well, you got to hear me out, man. He played like four snaps. Okay. You know what else Aaron Rodgers did this year? Oh, the American flag. He did that too. Aaron Rodgers brought to the Jets Tim Boyle, Randall Cobb, Delvin Cook, Alan Lazard in his four-year $44 million deal. Oh, gosh. He's getting paid that much? Holy. we'll, We'll talk about him more later. But when the Jets could have had someone like a Joe Flacco. Back oh on their roster again, right? Think about that with that defense. Reese Hall, Garrett Wilson, who went over a thousand yards with Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon, and Tim Boyle as his quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is the least valuable player, as well as the least valuable GM. That's an unofficial award that we'll give him. But he ruined the Jets' season one thousand percent through and through. Um, I will die on that hill. I don't hate the take, Joseph. Take. Yeah, I, I don't like hate that. the take. Beach, you want to go? Yeah. Uh, my LVP for this season is Kenny Pickett. Mm, good call. He has probably been the quarterback that has the highest expectations that has underperformed the most. Um, he's just been bad. Like, you hear a stat every time where some backup comes in and in two weeks they're like, yeah, they've got more passing touchdowns in three weeks than Kenny Pickett has in his career. Mm-hmm. And that's just where we're at right now. Like he's not a good quarterback. Pittsburgh sinking their hopes into him is just going to keep sinking their team further and further behind. I think at this point, even though he's a local legend, a Pittsburgh Panther legend, I think he just got to cut ties at this point. Uh, Can't be salvaged. He, he's lost his job to is it is it Mason, Mason Rudolph, Rudolph that took his job? Yeah, Mason so, Rudolph and the dented head. Yeah, shout out Miles Garrett, but uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Kenny Trivia Pickett. Question. He's my Trivia MVP. Question. How many touchdowns does Kenny Pickett have in his career? Like 12. 20. Beach was close. He's 13. Oh, what? my gosh. Oh, my he gosh. I know it was some low number like that. In 24 games started, he has thrown for 4,400 yards, 13 touchdowns. That's 179 yards per game. Oh, my gosh. Mm. And the Steelers oh boy. are going to have a winning record again. Yeah, Mike Tomlin is – He's not going like, anywhere. He's not. That guy has got the best job security. He sold his soul for a never to never have a losing record, for sure. Yeah, he might have low-key. Yeah. Kyle, who's your LVP? Well, I'm a very indecisive person, Joseph. <laughs> so <laughs> I have – this is the first of many co-winners. I have two numbers for you. Drummel. The first number is $46 million per year. Okay? Mm-hmm. Remember that one. Ooh, I, know, I know who that is. Don't talk. Don't stop talking. Then the second number is, is $20 million a year. Not that bad, but still a lot of money. Okay. Player one has been accused of several crimes. <laughs> <laughs> Player number one should not be allowed within a certain distance of schools. That's right. Player number one is Deshaun Watson. That guy sucks. That guy is that guy is the worst. That brother needs help. That brother needs help. (laughs) Yeah. He got a $230 million guaranteed contract to come in. One suck. Two, <laughs> two, suck at football, and three, be worse than Joe Flacco. This guy is like all around. Like I get Aaron Rodgers is was hurt and did ayahuasca or whatever, but like Deshaun Watson to me was a worse was a worse L than than Aaron Rodgers. But my second Poe LVP is not a player at all. Twenty million dollars a year, Bill Belichick. $20 million Ooh, yeah. a year that's, from that's the hot. Patriots. I just think that he – I know that he doesn't have a ton to work with, but I think he ruined Mac Jones. I think that he's just been given essentially a free pass, obviously, because, you know, the years with Tom Brady. But Brady I've come Perry. to – yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I've come to realize that Bill Belichick is a system coach. Tom Brady was the real coach. Yeah, no, that's coming from a lifetime Tom Brady hater. I hate Tom Brady. This, I this changes words. nothing. I remember the words Tom Brady was just some quarterback coming out of Kyle's mouth. I think I named like every fantasy team for the last like eight years. Like Tom Brady is the system quarterback. <laughs> All right, moving We're on. Award number two. Um, we've done this one before. We're going to throw it in their Tutu Atwell Award. Uh, player who we were not familiar with their game. I'm going with James Conner. I've been a James mm. Conner is bad. Um, proponent for for many many years now i've had arguments with beach over this um james connor i was not familiar with your game you have you have been cooking sir he has almost 900 yards on the ground he missed what three four games or something like that or he was put on ir so yeah, i think he I missed mean, four weeks he's he's been the truth out of that cardinals backfield um james connor i owe you an apology sir i was not familiar with your game neither was hodgkin's lymphoma <laughs> <laughs> that was that, that, this feels like vindication for me after arguing for James Conner for so many years. He he has been. Beachy, who's your 2-2 Atwell award winner? My 2-2 Atwell award winner is CJ Stroud. 
And my my whole reasoning behind this is I just did not think I thought he would have the season Bryce Young had. Well, I was not sold on him being a great NFL quarterback. I was not sold on him being overly special. I thought he'd just come in and be average at best. And he has really proved me wrong. He has been by far the best quarterback in this draft class so far. Uh, he looks like he's going to make teams regret not taking him. Uh, and by that, I mean the Panthers not taking him. Mm-hmm. And team. I'm, yeah, I'm just excited to see see where his career goes from here. But yeah, uh, CJ Stroud, I was unfamiliar with your game, and I owe you an apology. All right. Kyle. My 2-2 Outwell Award winner is, again, not a player. It is Antonio Pierce, Raiders interim head coach. I'm so about that guy. You know, so do I, but... Yeah, 63 on my team, so screw that guy. <laughs> but he beat... Yeah, that's like kind of the main reason. He beat he beat Brandon... He beat the Brandon Staley out of the Chargers. <laughs> yeah. Actually, thank you, Antonio Pierce. Yeah, you're welcome. He beat the Chiefs. Like, that's crazy to me. That isn't... With their roster, beating the Chiefs... I know that the Chiefs are having a down year, but beating the Chiefs as an interim head coach with Aiden O'Connell as your quarterback is just insanity to me he did lose a three to zero game (laughs) that is where the mixed feelings come but i don't think yeah that's that's fair um but i i just think that for what he's been given he's done very well he's gone four and four as an interim head coach which isn't like super crazy but i was like oh my gosh the raiders are gonna go oh and 18 and they're gonna blow everything up and he's actually done pretty serviceably he question because he's like yeah, one of those. Go where did me. Antonio Pierce go to college? U of A, baby. U of A. And then he Sorry. coached at ASU and yeah. dismantled the program from the inside. Anyways, bingo, Joe. Go ahead. What were you saying? Um, what was I going to say? Um, oh, he's he's the kind of coach that is like, they're, we're going to total Dan Campbell's vibes. We're going to bite your kneecaps off. And if you hit us in the face, we're going to get up and cut your head off type of coach. Like he's, and that's wild. worked for Campbell. It has. So maybe it'll work for Pierce. I hope it doesn't because I don't like the Raiders, but Hey, uh, moving on award. Number three, blue balls award player that we thought was going to be good. They were not for me, Calvin Ridley. Mm. I go back. I think back to that clip early season or preseason where it was the Jags who are running out routes and Zay Jones goes out there and runs a real good route. And Calvin Ridley comes out here, dude, and runs his route. Looks like he's shot up a cannon. And I'm like, dude, Ridley is the truth. He was in Atlanta before he got suspended. And then he just was an average receiver. He's got like 73 receptions, like 910 yards, I think. And he's just okay. So he, yeah, Calvin Ridley did not live up to my expectations at all. That's a good one. I like that. Mine is Jamison Williams. And why is that bitch? Oh. And it's mostly to be spiteful towards Joe who texted us last year when Jamison Williams had his first catch of the season for a 40 something yard touchdown and he texts me and Kyle and he goes Jamison Williams has arrived in and all caps. Like, in all caps and we were like no he has not settle down this is ridiculous. <laughs> And then he proceeded to do nothing the rest of the year and then get suspended. 
You're but, missing a key part of this story. Joe died on this hill. We were like, he has not arrived. He has got his first NFL pass. And Joe's like, no, he has the draft capital. No, he's in such a good spot. He's going to go. He's going to go for a thousand yards this year. And then he proceeded to catch maybe three balls the rest of the year. I was, and, I was unhappy. <laughs> it was not a good day for me. And so Joe took it out by saying Jamison Williams was a cornerstone franchise or franchise cornerstone. <laughs> he got one for 41 yards <laughs> and one touchdown last season. <laughs> so he didn't even catch a ball? <laughs> oh my gosh. Year. Bro, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Not but one yeah. of my fighter moments. <laughs> Besides <laughs> that, though, I was super high on Jamison Williams coming out of the draft. And he just hasn't lived up to any any sort of potential that he had. So... We'll see what happens, but it seems like with him, it's one step forward, 28 steps back. So, yeah. Joe, Joe, I hate that you're tied to Jamison Williams because I really wanted to like the guy, but now I'm going to actively root against <laughs> anything that he ever does. Dude, I was so excited about him, and then Joe said that, and I'm like, I hate this guy now. I can't yeah. like him. <laughs> Sorry, Jamison. Uh, I, I have the thing about that too now is like after last season, I have no faith in him, but now I have no choice but to have faith in him. So. <laughs> I've really put myself in a corner with that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kyle, who's your Blue Balls Award winner? Okay, I have a, I have another co-winner situation. Um, one of these players has already received an award, and it is Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett had so much hype. All right, people, people thought that he was going to be like breaking out this year. I saw somebody write an article that he was a dark horse for MVP preseason. <laughs> I know. I know. And uh, so oh, I just no. want to say for the people that thought Kenny Pickett was going to break out, he is a fake slide merchant that saved his career. Anyways, the co <laughs> <laughs> the co blue balls award God. winner is Jerry Judy. I mm, really don't like Jerry like Judy. I, Another failed Alabama receiver. Yeah, dude. Like, I wish that – I really thought that he was going to be super good, especially when Russ got there. I was like, oh, like he's going to break out. Like, And then everybody was kind of saying the same thing at the beginning of this year. They're like, oh, like they figured it out. Like they spent a whole season together in an offseason. Like Jerry Judy's going to break out. And the only thing that happened is Jerry Judy got destroyed by Steve Smith, and that was the highlight of his season. <laughs> And he Sorry, went insane Jerry. on the sideline after that game. Dude, Steve Smith is the GOAT for that. I take Steve Smith right now over Jerry Judy. I think I would too. Yeah, I think I would too. All right. Uh, next award we got, the Go Back to College Award. Mine is very simple. Quentin Johnson, go back yep. to college, stay there. Don't, don't come back. Enough said. I like it. That's, that's simple. I like that. Mine is Bryce Young for the simple fact that Coming into the NFL is not always what you think it's going to be. And sometimes you get stuck on the Panthers and you have no help. And that's where Bryce Young currently finds himself. So I bet he wishes he was back at Alabama right now competing for a Heisman Trophy like he was last year. So your your, your go back to college award is, is for Bryce Young's good and yes. for his well-being. For his mm. well-being because, God, he is stuck in purgatory right now in the Panthers. What, what, if, he, what if he was going to the Bears? <laughs> I don't know if that makes me feel better. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel it's pretty lateral. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have D- they have DJ Moore now. So they, they, the Bears are a step up from the Panthers. I will say. Probably the Panthers just a, are just a little bit, and they they fired their coach already. Like they did do that after yeah. like eight games. Yeah. And their owner just threw a drink at somebody. So that's that's where the vibes are at right now in Carolina. Yep. Correct. Kyle. Yes, mine is senior citizen Stetson Bennett. Um, <laughs> he he hasn't like played in the NFL, so it's not like a knock on him playing. But he has been on the he's been on the NFI, the non football injured list for the Rams all year. So maybe he, I don't know, maybe his wife had to have surgery for her cataracts. I don't know why he was gone, but shout out Stetson. Hopefully you can come back before your window closes next year. That reminds me of like when the Browns took like a 31 year old Brandon Whedon in the first round. Dude. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, man. Oh, Cleveland. Uh, Moving on. We got a good award here. The Gray Jennings award. Put the team Mm. on his back. Joe Flacco. He's passed a few games, man. I don't know what got into Flacco. He, he is, he's no thoughts behind those eyes. He's just throw the ball. That is his mindset is just throw. And the Browns, like, obviously they wanted to go, they tried to go get Watson. Um, they had Mayfield before, but like, this is a Super Bowl quality team. All they needed was good quarterback play. And somehow they ended up getting great quarterback play from Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, you win my Greg Jennings Award for putting the Cleveland Browns on your back. Do you like do that. you walk your take back? Do you think that Joe no. Flacco is elite? You're a coward. No. You're a coward. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> we'll be uh, giving Joe Flacco the Tutu Atwell Award in a few weeks after he leads the Browns <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Dude, we sure will. I will say, I will say, Joe Flacco makes the Browns a legit Super Bowl contender right now. Yeah, I'll say that. Kyle, he does. Who is your Greg Jennings Award? I could have gone multiple directions with this pick here, but I decided to go with somebody who actually put their team on their back for the entire season. And that is Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was pretty much the entire Miami Dolphins offense. He is elite. He should have had 2000 yards this year. That is all. Careful. Don't let Dolphins fans hear that. I like that. I know. We'll try to fight you. My Greg Jennings award goes to none other than Christian McCaffrey. And more so, the 58% of teams that had him in their fantasy leagues that got to the championship because of him, which is an insane stat. Like, well, I've never seen one player lead to almost – yeah, except for me. Um, <laughs> shout out Justin Jefferson. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've never seen one player basically carry 60% of fantasy teams to a championship. That's, yeah. that's insane to me. I saw the stat today. Like his whole season was great. He didn't finish under the RB twenty one once during the season. Sheesh, that's insane. How yeah. did I have him and Justin Jefferson and not make the playoffs? This is just unbelievable bad luck. <laughs> because injuries. Justin Jefferson was out. Yeah, but next award is the Manti Teo Girlfriend Award. This is the award for someone who did not exist this season. And my award winner is Alexander Madison. Can you guys tell me how many touchdowns Alexander Madison has this season? One. One. No. Zero? zero. Oh, my gosh. He has zero <laughs> touchdowns on the year. I was high on him um, coming into the year, too. Holy so God. was I. I mean, that's, that's not all 
all that. Or he, he's got none on the ground. He's got three through the air, but he's got none on the ground, which is uh, whereas a running back, you got to make your money. He has 173 carries. Yeah, go off push no your agenda. So <laughs> anyway, he did not exist this season. Ty Chandler should have been starting the whole year. Kyle, who is your um, Mantezio girlfriend award winner? My my Mante Teo girlfriend award winner is another co-winner situation. This is not my last one. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm actually not sorry. The first half of my Monte Monte Mante Teo award whatever girlfriend is Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders was a big free agency signing for the Panthers. They're trying to give Bryce Young weapons, and he proceeded to suck. He was terrible. I drafted him in fantasy. I know. I experienced it. Um, so, yeah, Miles Sanders, sorry, you're bad. The second half is kind of victim to Bill Belichick, but Juju Smith-Schuster, he is terrible. He was not good this year. So those are my two people that did not exist. I'm very sad, but they were big high-profile free agency signings. I thought they were going to be better. I like it. Bitch? Uh, my Monty Teo uh, missing girlfriend or whatever we're calling it is Dalvin Cook. Ooh. And he, yeah. like, he again, was another one that was a high-profile – and it wasn't a high-profile free agency signing, but he was one of those guys that you're getting into training camps and everyone's like, why isn't he signed? Why isn't he signed? And then – the Jets go out and sign him, and Jets fans are excited. They're chanting his name at training camp, all this stuff, and then he goes out and is just bad. And Terrible. as soon as Brees Hall proved that he was healthy, he became just unnecessary to have. And as a result, he has been cut today. So shout-out to uh, Dalvin Cook for just absolutely doing nothing this season. Shout-out, Dalvin. Uh, next award. We're about halfway through, fellas, so making good time. Uh, Vontae Davis Award. Monte Davis is the guy who retired midway through the game for the Bills a few years back. So this award is for someone who should have retired midway through their game. Uh, and my choice is Austin Eckler after his run against the Packers, where he topped that at 13 miles an hour. I'm pretty sure that I can run 13 miles an hour. And Austin Eckler is a professional athlete. He should have retired immediately after that, after that run. Uh, Austin Eckler, you are my Vontae Davis should have retired midway through the game. Award winner. I like that. Go Chargers. Go Chargers. <laughs> Kyle. My Vontae Davis Award goes to Kadarius Tony. He has dropped like a hundred million passes this season. He's so bad. And yeah, just pick when yeah. you want him to retire and he'd probably be spot on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He he needs to get out of here. I feel bad for the guy, honestly. I, I like that. Well, I'm going to take a page out of Kyle's playbook, and I'm going to have co-winners. Um, my first <laughs> one is Aaron Rodgers, um, for the simple fact that that dude ruptured his Achilles. And, uh, well, I don't know if he's ever going to be the same. So he might have – should just call it quits there. Just say, you know what, I'm sure. done. And sure. everyone will respect him for the great career he had, and he'll ride off into the sunset. Uh, but he's not going to do that. He's too prideful. My second one, and this is going to be a bingo, but – Shout out to Patrick Peterson, a man I used to love. But there was a play against the Cardinals this year, and it didn't count because they called a phantom holding call. But he was mossed by Rondale Moore, who is like 5'8". <laughs> Absolutely 
was monster. Rondale Moore went up, grabbed it right over his head, and snatched it from him in the end zone. It would have been like a 45-yard touchdown. And at, at that point, I'm like, Patrick Peterson, you're washed. You, you're cooked. You're done. Like, there's you, – you don't have anything left. So Get that man a suit and microphone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, next up, we got the Middle Finger Award. Middle Finger Award. Um, this is the award that we want to give to someone that we just want to flip the birds to, man. Someone that just angers us this season. And mine goes to Arthur Smith, um, who seems to hate winning because he, he doesn't use his best players. They have three top 10 offensive weapons, um, that they don't use. <laughs> they don't use them. Drake, May, uh, Drake London Drake is May? a, Drake May, give me one. Uh, <laughs> Drake no. London is a legitimate wide receiver one. Um, Bijan Robinson was taken eighth overall. Great running back. People were considering him the best prospect since Saquon. He got like 200 carries this year. Tyler Algier has 175. I don't know what he's doing there. And Kyle Pitts, taken fourth overall, the highest tight end ever drafted, doesn't get any targets at all, ever. Um, I And also, you know, his whole thing about, like, if you're not buying into Desmond Ritter, you're just a part of the group, the toxic group thing. Arthur Smith, go away. You need you need to leave. You you receive my middle finger award. Shout out to the FedEx money. Yes. Facts. Who's next? Kyle, you take it. <laughs> okay. My uh, my middle finger award goes to somebody that I'm angry for selling out. I'm angry at you for selling out, and that goes to Travis Kelsey, who has 300 commercials per NFL game. Mr. <laughs> Pfizer, Travis Maato. I'm so <laughs> sick of seeing this dude. Like, I, oh, I honestly, I liked I liked the Kelsey brothers, and they have they have a great podcast. I'm just like, I've just been inundated with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift content. I, I literally cannot watch any TV without seeing Travis Kelsey eight times in 30 minutes. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Travis. I'm just sick of seeing your face. Love you, though. <laughs> That's a good Peach. one. What's yours? I'm, I'm going off script. Uh, my, my middle finger award is to the refs. Oh, oh okay. This, I like it. This... This whole debacle with the Detroit-Dallas thing the other night, whether yeah. he reported or not, there I mean, it just seems like they're blatantly lying, trying to cover their ass. Like, yeah. I am sick and tired of the refs and the stuff they've been pulling this year. I, that crew has blown multiple games this year, not just that one. And they're going to have the opportunity to blow another primetime game this week. Like, hmm. it's just infuriating seeing referees decide the outcome of games. And I'm tired of it. Like, I, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what the answer is. But the refs have got to be better. This has been a problem in the NFL for, it seems like, the last five years or so. Um, and it's, it's just not getting better. The refs are just continually getting worse and worse. And they are continuing to make the worst calls at the absolute worst times. I agree so, with yeah, that. Take. I love that take. Great take, Beach. Next award. The Delusion Award. Players who are delusional. Very simple. My award winner is George Pickens. George Pickens thinks he is good at football. He is just Gabe Davis who gets more targets. He runs slants, he runs post routes, and he runs go routes. 
Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Risky, they just throw prayer balls up to George Pickens, and he happens to make an athletic catch once in a while. So everybody on Instagram, on a NFL Instagram, thinks he is Calvin Johnson. George Pickens, you are delusional. Your fans are delusional. You don't deserve to be a number one receiver. You are my delusional award winner. Get his ass. I like that. Yes. All right. I think I may have misunderstood this assignment because I have given the award to Chandler Jones. <laughs> Chandler Jones is is That's actually is, is literally insane. <laughs> I have a I have a quote that I want that I want to read regarding Chandler Jones that uh-huh. makes me cry every time. This is an article title. NFL fans react to Chandler Jones' Instagram live video. Quote, football will be banned once they study his brain. (laughs) Oh my gosh. One more quote. Chandler Jones allegedly took items from X's home, burned them while completely nude. He's insane. (laughs) Pray for Chandler Jones. A great winner. In all seriousness, it's so sad because he was one of my all-time favorite Cardinals. Just, yeah, that charismatic personality he was so good on the field he was even better off the field like i loved him but it is he is a far cry from that right now and i just pray he gets the help he needs because he's he's not not right in the mind at all not no kidding yeah so uh i'm gonna also steal another page out of kyle's book and do co-mvps or co what is this delusion (laughs) awards um the first one is in line with Chandler Jones, and uh, I also might have misunderstood the assignment, but uh, Antonio Brown, you are still crazy. <laughs> and your tweets every single day might make my, like, highlight. Like, it, it, they are so funny and just so delusional that I'm just like, what on earth are we tweeting, Antonio Brown? You and then I have like- to remind myself that this dude was, like, for a solid, like, four-year stretch, the best receiver in the NFL. Easily. Humans so, in like a thousand years will look back and find those and be like, what what was this guy on? Yeah. He is something else. So he's one of them. Uh, the other one who still actively plays is DK Metcalf, who seems to go through anger management issues at least like twice in a month. Dude, he's in just standing on game. business. Come on. Where, yeah, he's just standing on business where all of a sudden he's trying to throw haymakers and cheap shot people. And I'm like, DK, what are you doing? You don't need to do that. So he is a more realistic delusional award as a player, but DK is delusional. Uh, yeah. Next award, the Jeremy Lin Award. Some Lin sanity run, man. Mine is Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito had mm. people convinced that he was the future in New York. He That's what not... happens when you have to watch Daniel Jones as your quarterback. People. This is this is true. There are still people defending Daniel Jones. I have had the privilege of being an observer of Giants Twitter recently. And the raging debate debate of Daniel Jones is the future versus we need to cut Daniel Jones. It's hilarious to watch. They are at each other's throats over Daniel Jones. Anyway, Tommy DeVito, you had a great run for a couple games. Uh, Tommy Cutlets, you'll be a career backup. Good run. Tommy is Cutlet. Oh, He's he's this year's Ben DiNucci. He literally is. Good. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Beachy? Uh, hold on, i got to see who I picked. I forgot. Uh, my Jeremy Lin Award, and this one is kind of in the vein, because there's been a lot of quarterbacks that have come in, uh, but shout-out to Jake Browning. 
uh, more so for carrying our dynasty team on a Jeremy Lin run. run. Yes. But uh, he actually did play very well, uh, you know, in replacement of Joe Burrow. So shout out to him. Um, he came in and, and did a lot of good things. And um, ultimately, I mean, they were just a few plays away from from kind of getting into the playoffs there and, and really having a chance. So shout out to Jake Browning. And uh, thank you for our Dynasty Football Championship. Thanks, Amen. Jake. Thank you. Mine is another quarterback, and that would be the Pastronaut, Josh Dobbs. He was him for like four weeks. He was literally insane. And on two teams. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he, was, he did the same thing on two teams. He was nuts <laughs> for three weeks and then just sucked. I was convinced that he was just the truth. And just I think especially when that transition to the Vikings, I was like, oh, my gosh, everybody messed up by not taking this guy. And then he quickly transformed from the astronaut to the astronaut, and he is bad. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's his secret. Maybe he just needs to like change teams four times a year to continuously be good. Yeah, only one way to find out. He had it's it's crazy to me that he actually had two Jeremy Lin insanity runs on two different teams. Yeah, in one year. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just wild to me. Those it's first three weeks with the Cardinals, well, outside of the Commanders, so maybe like those weeks two through four, like he was insane. He was playing so well, and then we got to week five through nine or whatever it was, and he was just terrible. Yeah, we got two more awards for you guys. Uh, the next award is the Asian Player of the Year. Shout out Kyle. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, my choice is Young Waku. Beach, go ahead. Uh, my choice is Teddy Bruski, who is Bing, not playing Bingo. in the NFL, but I love Teddy Bruski. So shout out to him. He, he is not a player in the NFL, but he won this award for Beach. Anyways, he's a three time Super Bowl champion, and he still has a room in my heart. So. Shout out to Teddy Bruschi. Teddy, Teddy Bruschi is the award. first. He's the first player to win a yearly award without playing a game that year. Can I? <laughs> can I just give a little backstory? So in my museum of Tucson sports, as Kyle said, uh, there is a picture of Teddy Bruschi from when he was playing with the Patriots that my dad got me in a golf tournament, and he probably got it for me when I was about five or six. And ever since then, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the New England Patriots. Oh. And so they have always been like my AFC team. You're gross. Because Why of that. Ted Brisky is Asian? I never knew that. Yeah. That sucks. You're terrible. What? I yeah. didn't know that Teddy Brisky so, was Asian. Well, we I didn't either, but that's what Google said, so. <laughs> okay. My, uh, <laughs> my Asian player of the year is half of Kyler Murray. I love Connor. I know you do. Oh, man. Last award is the I'm Sorry Award. This one's a little bit different than the um, Teacher Owl Award. This is a genuine apology um, award. I am offering my apologies to Mike McCarthy. I am so sorry. Um, you were not the problem in Dallas. I thought you Kellen were for the longest was. time. Kellen Moore was holding you back. I thought you were an idiot. Mike McCarthy, I'm sorry. Wow. That was big. I know. How'd that feel, Joe? Not good. Okay. I want to believe he was the problem, but I just cannot. The numbers say the numbers say something different. That's fair. My I'm sorry award goes to Christian Kirk. And it is mostly because I'm sorry that you broke your nuts. Um, I can only imagine 
how excruciating that must have been. And every time I think of that, I am just in so much pain for you. I am so sorry. Yes. You're an idiot. Good, good choice. <laughs> Kyle, round us out. Who are you telling who are you saying sorry to? I have a very legitimate apology because I thought that this person was gonna be a bust and he is not. And I owe an apology to CJ Stroud because I thought that the S2 cognitive test that you got an 18% on was a good was a good evaluator of your talent. When in reality you do play football and you don't take tests, maybe you just don't know how to read that well. I'm sorry, but 18% is terrible, okay? In my defense. 18% he didn't go Bryce, there to play school. He didn't. Did Bryce not. Young got a 98. I was so convinced that because of the math test that CJ Stroud was going to bust. I bet Josh Dobbs got a hundred. Josh Dobbs probably invented the S two cognitive test. <laughs> let's look. Let's look that up. Josh Dobbs. S2 this is like public data. Uh, probably. Let's find out. Huge if list can... of Wonderlick scores by position. Uh, <laughs> these are not what I wanted to see. <clears throat> what was Josh Dobbs Wonderlick score? Uh, I don't understand what these numbers are. We're moving. Oh, on. What is it? I don't yeah, know. that's going to take forever. <laughs> We're moving on. Enough that's that. going down a rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. <laughs> well, those are those are our awards for the year. Um, hope you enjoyed them. Um, that was that was enjoyable. Giving awards to players who mostly sucked the season and gave us heart attacks and stressed us out. Um, yes. Before we before we finish up, though, we'll, we'll cover a few few NFL things. Um, but the uh, I want to talk about mainly one thing. Uh, and it's the Cardinals. Huh? Cardinals. Why? This is Why? That's Bingo because this is that's Bingo Sports Podcast. This is a beach bingo. The Cardinals beat the fraudulent Philadelphia Eagles this past week. Shut weekend. up, Joe. Um, and as much as I want to, I'm not going to let this be a time to push my personal agendas. Let's focus on the Cardinals here for a little bit. All right. Um, they played an incredible football game. James Conner ran through the Eagles' vaunted rush defense. Kyler Murray was incredible. The only mistake was a miscommunication where I think his receiver ran the wrong route. The Eagles, I mean, Gannon bottled up their offense very well. Um, and Jonathan Gannon came out today, and they were, they were asking about Kyler Murray's future. He said he's our, he's our franchise quarterback. He's our quarterback of the future. So I want to talk about that for a few minutes before we close up here. Beach, I want to get your immediate thoughts and reactions to Gannon uh, saying that and to that game. Uh, my my thoughts, first of all, the game, my thoughts to the game is it hurts the Marvin Harrison Jr. chances, and sure I don't does. And the reason I don't care is because you need wins like this to build a culture. You need wins like this to build that cohesion in a locker room. You need the wins like this for Kyler Murray to show that he's still your franchise quarterback. Like, you need all of those things to prove that you're on the right track. And while, yeah, it might hurt your chances of getting Marvin Harrison Jr., I still think a win is way better. And, and even if it doesn't mean you're going anywhere, I still think getting a win like that is important for your team. So if the Cardinals would have lost a close one, I would have been like, all right, you know, we played well, we competed, that's great. But I, I don't want to be the person that sits up here and says they need to tank, they need to lose every single game because – the players aren't going to do that. The coaches aren't going to do that. Like those guys at the end of the day are fighting for their livelihoods. 
And so wins like that are super cool to see. And it's cool when you get to see that natural raw emotion come out of the players and be like, this was, this was a big win for them. And they knew it. Like it was a big win for Jonathan Gannon, even though he wouldn't say it. So that that's the first thing with the game. And the second thing, just hearing him say that they're going to keep Kyler and that he's the franchise guy. I mean, that's what we've, that's what I've wanted all along. You know, I was, I knew how talented he was. I knew how special he could be in the right offense and he's shown glimpses of it so far. I mean, that second half he played against the Eagles was immaculate. Like he barely had any incompletions. He was making every throw, every right read. And it just, again, it might've been the best pocket passing game he's had in his NFL career. And so like, when you see that, it's just like, yeah, this dude still has all the talent. He just needs to be in the right system with coaches that can get the best out of him. And I think Arizona finally got that right. I love it. I love Kyler. He's incredible. For what it's yeah, worth, I, you could probably still get Marvin Harrison Jr. at like four or five or wherever yet if the Patriots jump you because I think that they're taking Jaden. Yeah, highly possible. I was going to say, we. I've looked at mock drafts and <laughs> kind of depends on – yeah, I know. It kind of depends on, on what the Bears do, obviously, but assuming they trade out of their pick um, – and somebody jumps up to take a take Caleb Williams, and then assuming Drake May goes two, and then assuming somebody comes up and gets a quarterback at three or whoever, if it's the Patriots, stay there, then yeah, there's a chance Marvin Harrison Jr. could fall all the way to four, and that would be the dream scenario. Yeah, I think it's going to be Jaden Daniels at three to the Pats. That'd be interesting. But we'll see. Even regardless, if you don't get Maserati Marv though, Beach, like Malik Neighbors is a stud. You know, you I mean if you guys want to trade down and get someone like. Like Odunze, right? And then, I mean, attack. You could get Joe yeah. Alt. You can get um, Fashano. Things like that. You know, there's still some very good options. I don't know how your how the draft board's going to fall, but I'm very much a proponent of taking Alt at like four if if Marvin's not there. And then with that Houston pick, you either package some picks and trade up to get Odunze, or he might yes. just fall to you wherever their pick might be. Yeah. So I don't think you can go wrong necessarily if you if you come out of that with just two impact players right away like that. Yeah. And it helps with the, I mean, the emergence of Trey McBride recently, yes. right? Having, I mean, a legitimate, Trey McBride is a legitimate first read option in an NFL yeah. offense. And he's shown that. He, like, like there, he's starting to become like, I don't think there's too many tight ends that I would take over him right now. Yeah. Like, obviously, you're taking Kelsey, Andrews, you know, those guys. But like, after that, it's kind of like with what he's shown me and with how young he is, I don't think I'm going to take very many guys over him. Do you yeah. take Sam Laporta over him? Probably take Sam Laporta over him right now just because Sam Laporta has been more consistent. Um, but Sam Laporta is also a much better offense and a much better like system right now. That's fair. So I would like to see – I think Trey McBride's probably got more talent than Sam Laporta, but I'd like to see how they look You know, maybe next year when there's more talent on the Cardinals offense. Mm-hmm. Since week eight, Beach, when McBride started, uh, started being the starting tight end, He's on pace for 119 receptions on 149 targets, 1,173 yards, and four touchdowns. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic numbers. Yep. And I think those touchdown numbers could easily go up. Oh, yeah. They'll go up. I mean, there's 100% they'll go up, especially with defenses stop focusing him in the red zone. So I think you guys are in a great spot for sure. I love yeah. I love the position of um, you guys are in of having two first-rounders being not necessarily a very talented team, but a good head coaching uh, head, good head coaching uh, position and a good quarterback. 
you know, that's yeah. what you need to really get out of the. We're gonna we're gonna go into stuff. next year with the quarterback and the coaching set, and then a bunch of draft picks, and then a ton of a ton of cap space. So yeah. realistically, they could turn it around and, and get back to playoff contention here soon, and, and that's what I'm hoping for. Let's 100%. go. So, well, you boys got anything else that we should cover before we finish up here? Go Rams! Rams in the Super Bowl. Oh, speaking of that, Sean McVay said he's going to be back for 2024. So you can start wait another. You can wait another year to cry. We're going to win back to back Super Bowls. Oh, that'll be interesting. That's the enough. Rams. The Rams can make some noise, man. I could see them making some noise in the playoffs. We need but, it. Well, thanks for thanks for listening, everybody. Today, you can find us uh, for more on Instagram, on uh, X, on TikTok, um, and on YouTube. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Peace.